Tonight on the Michelle Mission, Vincent and I are reviewing Get On Up, The James Brown Story by director Tate Taylor and starring Chadwick Boseman as well as Viola Davis, a very strong cast in this musical biopic that we are reviewing for Black Music Month. We also have a top five, top five James Browns, but it's not the James Browns you're expecting, as well as we play Six Degrees of Dervell Martin with Vincent trying to get to Joaquin Phoenix and Sissy Spacek both stars of biopics of their very own. We also talk about the Tony Awards. Vince spends a few minutes with the man who fell to earth and Elvis is in the building. All that and more tonight on The Michelle Mission. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made, my name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing in the very, 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 very merry and melodious month of June. Yeah. I that up pretty good. I I was all right. <laughs> Uh, which is Black Music Month. And tonight we are looking at 2014's Get On Up, the James Brown story, Vincent's selection for this stop on the Michaud mission. But first, as always, we want to say hello to each and every one of you who are out there in the chat watching us as we are streaming via StreamYard to all of our good friends on Facebook as well as on YouTube and on Twitch. And to everyone in the chat, hello, hello, hello to each and every one of you. Good evening. Good evening, one and all. How are you doing, Vincent? I am fine. I am just fine. And how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I cannot complain. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into our show. Let's get into some listener mail. Ah, missives from the missionaries. We actually uh, got an, an email from a longtime listener of the show and... Frequent uh, corrector uh, <laughs> on the show, uh, Anthony Sterling. Anthony, hey there, great men of the mission. Don't be alarmed. This email brings you no correction. Okay, all right. Only a movie review request. Okay. Hopefully, somewhere down the line on the road to four hundred, you review the film "Sitting in Limbo." It's a hmm. Canadian film about uh, Caribbean teenagers living in the great white North in the late eighties. So it may not fit the criteria, but it would be a cool film to hear your take on. That's it. And that's all. May success continue to bless you and the podcast, Anthony, AKA your favorite neighborhood, super Negro from Louisiana. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah. I like that. There, there are a couple of really funky little movies mm-hmm. out of um, Canada that that kind of come come to me sometimes. There's a um, there's a movie called Love, Sex, and Eating the Bones from 2003 that Hill Harper was in. That's a neat little indie film. Love, sex, love, and sex, eating and the eating bones. the bones. It's it's a Canadian film when um. When Anthony said this was a Canadian film, I was like, oh, yeah, 
Canada. Okay. All right. So maybe maybe we'll have maybe we'll find two more black Canadian films and um we'll do a, a- do a Canada. Was Brown Girl in the Ring? It wasn't Brown Girl in the Ring. I think it was called Brown Girl. Was that Canadian? Certainly you remember every minuscule detail of every <laughs> film that we've talked about low these many years. Don't you? I don't do. you? <laughs> I do. Uh, don't you? <laughs> uh, I don't believe that that was Canadian, though. Why did I think that was Canadian? For some reason, I don't believe that was Canadian. Um, oh, if we only had some way to look that up. <laughs> uh, are you? Are, I see you typing. Are you typing? Yeah, I am. I, um, Brown Girl, which we did as part of Afrofuturistic April. If I right, right. Correct. It was Brown Girl Begins. Yes, Brown Girl Begins. It was indeed Canadian. Was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I didn't think it was Canadian. Yep, was, it was uh, Canadian. It was. Right. Well, the well, the novel is set in Canada. Okay. So, but I thought it was Canadian. So we can't use that. We, we'll we can't need, use. We that. need two more Canadian films. Yes, we we Black will Canadian. search. Right, right. You know, Diaspora's pretty deep in Canada. So is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a it's a strong Caribbean presence. I know. Okay. I can see Caribbean and, presence, and yeah. I believe African presence, but definitely Caribbean presence in Canada. Okay. So so we find two more movies, and then we'll, maybe we'll have a Canadian month. Then we'll make it so. We will make it so. All right. Let's. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, definitely. And if you, ladies and gentlemen, want to send us an email, if you. Feel free. Email us at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Vincent, are you a fan of the Tony Awards? I'm I'm I mean, as much as I'm a fan of any of the award shows, I don't pay them much credence, but I'm always happy when black creatives win them. Yeah, because of the opportunities that they lead to. I'm not a big fan of like award shows either, and I've mm-hmm. never really been into the Tony Awards, mm-hmm. right? But and I don't know why it surprised me, but I, I in in retrospect, I shouldn't have been surprised. My girlfriend, who hails from the Bronx, mm-hmm. you know, she's born and raised in the Bronx. The, the Tony Awards are really big to her because one, I, I'm not, I'm. While I'm sure that's not true for everybody in New York, certainly more than a few people in New York, they like going to Broadway. Sure. And seeing seeing plays. And Broadway is, you know, the home of the American theater. Right. And a lot of times for them, and I guess it's true for a lot of people who are fans of plays and in, 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 in the theater, the Tony Awards... Pre- presents to them an opportunity to get a taste of some shows to see whether or not they're interested in checking them out. Okay. Right. Especially because people are traveling less. Right. Right. You know, now, um, so she was watching the Tony awards and by proxy, which meant that I was watching the Tony awards. And I can't say that I, I came away with it like a fan of the awards, but man, I enjoyed myself watching it. Okay. I will tell that. I will say that, um, they were hosted by, uh, Ariana DeBose from oh, West Side yeah. Story. Oh, yeah. She played Anita in West Side Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have to say that as... Love her. Of, of, I loved her in West Side Story. And um, as host of award shows go, mm-hmm. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Oh, she's she's a delight. She has no... She's a joke. delight. She hosted Saturday Night Live. She was in a yes. show that I would never recommend to you because you don't like musicals. 
but the, the kind of the spoof of musicals that was on Apple TV a couple of months ago, uh, Schmigadoon. Oh, yeah. She was one of the stars of that. Yeah, that's yeah, the she's one with, fantastic. Uh, 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 Michael uh, Keegan. Mm-hmm. In. Oh, she was in. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I might have to check that out. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she she is absolutely great. And it's funny you you bring up the whole not like a musical thing because yes, I have landed on that altar of watching musicals. But I have to recognize I say I don't like musicals. And then I'll go see a musical. And I say, "You know what? I like that musical." You know why? Because musicals are awesome. A good musical? Yeah. It's pretty good. Like yeah. I saw it for for Color Girls. Yeah. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. Um, and I've I've seen more than a few musicals over the years, and, I, and so I enjoy them. I do think I have to re- like like um, Harry Belafonte. I may have to rethink my stance on musicals, son, and say that I I enjoy musicals. You ain't said nothing but a word. I think I enjoy musicals. What you want? What you going? What, what, what you want? Watch. Well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to watch. All right. Now, if you watch the Tony Awards, ladies and gentlemen, that were huge winners. There was this mo- the this play, A Strange Loop. Yeah, 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 big yeah, yeah. big, yeah, big, yeah. Um, and, and I definitely want to see that. Well, yeah, Khadijah wants to see that, which by proxy means it's supposed to be very good. And then it's supposed to be very yeah. good. Uh, um, I do have to say that watching the, the the performers there, it looked cool. I don't know if it 100% interests me, but the idea of the movie interests yeah. me because it's like very meta. Mm-hmm. It's about mm-hmm. a, uh, a, a guy writing a play about a play. That, right, right. It, and uh, he's a, um usher, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty dope. Yeah. But man, the standout performance of the Tony Awards mm-hmm. was by Joaquina Calacungo. Yeah, oh yeah. From Paradise Square. Yeah. Um, which is a play, a musical set in uh, the Civil War in New York City, right? About like the, I guess like the, you know, the the not war, but 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 dust ups between Irish Irish Americans and Black Americans, right? At that time, uh, Joaquina Kalukongo, uh, excuse me, who won the Tony for best performance, sure did. Congratulations. Do, she sang the song "Let It Burn." I, mm-hmm. For copyright sake, I can't replay it here. Look it up on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. It is the most mesmerizing performance you will ever, ever see. She tore the stage down. Yo, she tore that. Yeah. Set. You oh, know what yeah. she did? She let it burn. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. That is what she did. Yeah. And and uh, I actually had missed it live on the Tony Awards, but you know, Khadija was like, "Yo, you just have have to see it." And when I came, they were awarding her the 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 award, the Tony. Mm-hmm. And her acceptance speech yeah. was magnificent and heartfelt and, and 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 so 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 authentic and beautiful. I was like, oh my God, yo, I, I was into the acceptance speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then it made me go back and look at the performance. And I must have watched that performance nine times on a loop, man. It was fan freaking it's it's pretty amazing and it's it's fantastic that the theater is back yeah it is fancy i was we were talking earlier about it and i realized i've not seen a play since 2019 really last well i guess 2020 like the last thing i saw was a soldier's play 
Okay. With David Allen Greer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, because of the pandemic, I've and 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 now I'm I'm very excited for the opportunity to go back to the theater. There's nothing like a good play. Nothing like it, man. Nothing really, in the world like really a good cool. play. You know, so. the seats aren't comfortable, but hey, you know, I mean, no. it's the only thing I, I, I don't miss about the place. But, right. but I think I like musicals, man. Oh, boy, you know what? <laughs> I'm telling you, I really think I like musicals. I can't believe it, but I think I won, I won musicals. Deborah Battle let me know, yes, she she won for Best Actress in a Lead Role in a Musical, Paradise Square. And yes, Deborah, that lady sang her face off. Yes, she did. She, yes, she did. She was, it was fantastic. It was absolutely Robert Monroe Jr. saying the only musical I enjoyed was The Wiz. Look, hey, it, I like the well, <laughs> The Wiz is fantastic. The, uh, yes, the on stage, it is. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan of them. I'm yes, not a fan of the yes, movie. Yeah. However, again, I saw Wicked. I loved Wicked. I was I, underwhelmed by Wicked. Are you serious? Wicked underwhelms me. Oh, I loved it. I was underwhelmed. No, well. Who cares? Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, J- JV in on YouTube says he's he's actually going to New York to see a strange loop next nice. week. So JV, you will have to give all of the say. missionaries a, a report. I was about to say report back, JV. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Hit us up. Missionaries so cultured. I know, aren't they? So cultured. I know. We don't deserve them. Yeah. All right. So that's my little... Um, uh, screed on the on the Tony Awards. Mm-hmm. Everybody line up for Paradise Square. Yes, yes. Check it out. And a strange loop. Right, right. And you know they're good because we're advertising them for free. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Vincent, you wanted to um, speaking, spare a few moments. Speaking of, of some free advertising. Yes. There's actually a follow-up to something if you've been listening for the past year or two that we were talking about. I said, I've been looking forward to this when it was announced. And mm-hmm. that would be the man who fell to earth mm-hmm. with Chia Wattel, Edgeo Four, and Naomi Harris. Yes. Which is on Showtime right now. Which is on Showtime. And it's a direct sequel to one of my favorite science fiction films from the seventies mm-hmm. uh, of the same name that starred David Bowie. And it is every thing I wanted it to be. Yeah. And more. It is it is so good. First of all, I knew she would tell Edge before and Naomi Harris were involved. Nobody told me that Clark Peters was going to be in. <laughs> I know, right? Like, right? Yeah. He is so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kate Mulgrew shows up. Yeah. And oh, I can't believe. Do you have it? You have the cast in front of you? Uh, I can get it in front of me in two seconds for you. Because the actor, the, the the funny thing is, the first time I saw him was on "It's Always Sunny" in Philadelphia. But mm-hmm. he played the he plays the young man in black in um, Westworld. Oh, uh, let's see. I have the cast up in front of me. So would that be Jimmy Simpson or Josh Hurd? What's the character? Which one's the creepy looking white guy? That would be Josh Hurden. He's fantastic. Hurden. Yes, it's Terry. He he's fantastic. Yeah. And this this cast is killing it. Chiwetel Ejiofor is putting on a workshop every week mm-hmm. as an alien learning how to be human. Now it it's it's still going. Like the first season hasn't ended. No, no, yeah, it hasn't ended yet. 
And I don't know if it's going to be renewed. And it's one of these things where if we get one season, I'm just thankful that we'll have this one season of it. Right. Because it's just black people doing science in science fiction. Or are you maybe thinking of Rob Delaney, who plays Hatch Flood? I don't know which... What else was he in? Like I'm, I'm, going, I'm, I'm going to pull I'm him. I'm literally up. not looking at it. I no, no because I'm thinking because I think he had something to do with. Um, I know Sonny. he's really creepy looking. Well, I mean that's 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 not a stretch for for white guys. Um, it, because I think he had something to do with. Uh, you said um, always sunny, right? Yeah, in Westworld and the Westworld because he was great on Westworld too. Uh, no, he wasn't in Westworld. So, oh, so maybe God. it was it was Josh Hartman. No, I'm looking it up. I'm I looking know, up. You had a chance. What I mean? He made me pick up Molly, man. Hell <laughs> to earth. <laughs> the cast. Well, neither of them were in Westworld. Just, oh, God's sake. I do, it's all, Jimmy Simpson. I said that. I said him first. I but then you said creepy looking. And, and Josh looks creepy. Jimmy doesn't look creepy to me. I'm looking at my picture of, of of Jimmy doesn't look creepy. What do you want me to tell you? It doesn't look creepy. Anyway, I wholeheartedly recommend this show. And Naomi Harris is having the best black science fiction year of anyone since uh, Letitia Wright was in an episode of Black Mirror and Black Panther in mm. the same year. Okay. Like between this and Swan Song, Naomi Harris is the queen of black science fiction right now. All right. Now I'm looking at it. Um, the man who fell for Earth. It has a it, on Rotten to Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's got an 85. percent So that's pretty good. Okay, but it, dude, who cares about? We that? just talked about award shows. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I know. I'm giving damn what Rotten Tomatoes. We will, we will edit that part out <laughs> just for you. Right. When do new episodes? Do you know when they? Start? I don't know because we usually watch it on Friday. Okay, so it's there by Friday, right? It's there know. by Friday. <laughs> it's, I know it's there by Friday. I put out a cheese plate and some green oh. and some wine. So the man who fell to that's the earth right has become the that's, viewing selection for charcuterie Fridays. It, indeed, it is. <laughs> Pour Wendy a glass of wine so it doesn't look like I'm just drinking a whole bottle of wine by myself. Mm. Then she takes two sips and says, do you want the rest? And then I say, I do want the rest. Is she not a wine drinker? She's not really. She's not really a drinker. She's not really a drinker at all. Just sort of a sipping. But that's the reverse, that you're more the wine drinker. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just the drinker. That's true. I'm just the drinker. So (laughs) what we have wine with is kind of weird. I'm sitting there having, of course, whiskey and cheese actually do go well together. See, we have to double date because... You and Khadijah will just drink. Y'all will just, just be drinking. <laughs> y'all just be drinking. Just be drinking. Me and Wendy will just sit there just looking sit, at you, drinking. drunk fools. Just drinking. Hey, ain't nobody get drunk. We hold our liquor. Oh well, that, she holds our liquor. Too. All right, then. Yeah. All right. She makes a mean whiskey lemonade. All right. All right. So there you go. All right. So the man who fell to earth. Man I, who fell to earth. I want to. I, I am very, very interested in. Made me get Showtime. All right. I need hash show Tom. You did not. Okay. Uh Bree B517 mentioning going back to the Tony's real quick. That with a strange loop, which also won the Oscars, 
uh, Jennifer Hudson, who That's was right. a producer of that. That's right. Has joined the rarefied air of a EGOT. I, yes, she has. Meaning that she has won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Yes, she has. Yeah. So it's like her, Whoopi Goldberg. Um, As far as Black ear, I was trying to think of all of them. Oh, because there's this. It's like Bette Midler. Is Bette Midler an EGOT? I want to say. I want to say Streisands. I want to say Bette Midler. Like Midler or Streisand, it seems like one of them would be an EGOT. Okay, here we go. All the EGOT winners in award history, which means that these are people who have won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony Award. Jennifer Hudson, Uh who just crossed the Rubicon. Uh, Rita Moreno. Okay, I don't think I knew Rita Moreno was an EGOT. Yes, I did. I did know that. Yes, yes. Now, do you know what she won an Emmy for? Was it Electric Company? Hmm, Interesting. She did win for the electric company, but she won a Grammy for the electric company. Huh. She won a Grammy for best recording for children for the electric company. Of course, she won the 1961 best supporting actress Oscar. Sure. For, for, West, for Side, West Side, West Side Story. Story. Her Emmy. She probably won a Tony for West Side Story, too, didn't she? No, she won a Tony in 1975 as uh, Gucci Gomez in The Ritz. Okay. But she won her Emmy Award for her appearance on The Muppet Show. Really? Yes. Okay. Wow. Sometimes sometimes it's kind of fun to see how people... Right, right. How they kind of stitch them together. Okay. All right. Let's see. So we got... So Rita Moreno, you got Alan Menken. Okay. Who classically uh, wrote the scores for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. And he once... um, he won Tony's for other scores that he wrote for like plays and sure, TV sure. And stuff. John Legend. I knew John, yeah, because John Legend um won his producing something. He won the producing Emmy. Emmy. Um for Jesus Christ Superstar. Right, right. Because he just became an EGOT in the past couple of years. Yes, because that was uh, uh in uh 2018. Yeah. Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Sir Tim Rice. Okay, that kind of makes sense too, actually. Mm-hmm. Robert Lopez, who earned his EGOT status with the 2014 Oscar for Frozen's Let It Go. Okay. Um, he also won, he's racked up an Oscar for his work on Coco. He won for the children's show Wonder Pets. That's where he won his Emmy. Okay. And he won his Grammy for the Book of Mormon. Okay. All right. Lin-Manuel Miranda still is not an E-guy. Well, let's see. I'm going down the list. Okay. We got... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Scott Rudin. Okay. And a name that I know. Whoopi Goldberg, we've mentioned. Of course. Definitely an E-guy. She'd been an E-guy for a minute, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Writer Mike Nichols. Okay. All right. Mel Brooks. Yeah, I knew Mel Brooks was the EGOT. Okay. Jonathan Tunick. Oh, wow. I know the actor. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, he, he won for a Tony Award for Best Orchestrations for Titanic. Okay. So his had been more musically based. Okay. Uh, Marvin Hamlish. Yeah, of course. Of mm-hmm. course. Audrey Hepburn. Okay. 
What did she win an Emmy for? Her Emmy came in 1993, months after her passing, for her work on the educational program Gardens of the World with Audrey Hepburn. Okay. So she, wanted, she became an EGOT posthumously. Okay. Um, and she won a Grammy in 1994 for her children's al- album, Audrey Hepburn's Enchanted Tales. So, post, so actually, after just, she just passed. Just posthumous. Okay. All right. She's Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Speaking of musicals, John Gilgood, Sir John Gilgood. Okay, all right. Helen Hayes, the first lady of the American theater. Yes, yes. That goes without saying. Uh, Richard Rogers. Is that of Rogers and Hammerstein? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so you can imagine. Yeah. And that is your list of seventeen who have won. The EGOT. Who, who are actually EGOTs. So Lin I know Lin Manuel Miranda is is orbiting around one. I would I have to imagine. Because right, um, he's got a Tony, he's got an Oscar, he's got a Grammy. I guess he's got to do something on television. So I think his right, I think the Emmy might be. Yeah, because I think there was like the like there was a bit of a thing about Hamilton when it premiered on right. Disney was not eligible. Right. Or, or for some reason it was like yeah. disqualified for yeah. for an Emmy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I suspect Encanto might get him something if it's in the right category. It may. Well, yeah. I don't know. Cause it'll probably be more Oscars than Emmy. Yeah. Even though yeah. Yeah. No. I want him to get it though. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems like it. But but good job, Jennifer Hudson. Most definitely. And never forget. She was cut from American Idol. Right. Right. Which brings me full circle to why I don't give much credence to award shows. There you go. I didn't even bring up driving Miss Daisy, nor do the right thing. Can I continue? You may indeed. All right. Continuing with the show. Uh, It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for another one of our features. It's feature time, and we're going to kick off with top five. Who's your top five? My top five is. My top five is. My top five is. All right, top five, ladies and gentlemen. My top five is. Tonight's top five. My top five is. I think you're going to enjoy this. I enjoy all of them. All right. Now, we are doing tonight, we are reviewing Get On Up. Get On Up. The James Brown story. Yes. Now, James Brown, not to be confused with Jim Brown. No. The famous uh, historic football star, actor, and activist. Right. Or with James Brown. The sports guy, right? Oh, or James Brown, the sports the the sports uh uh announcer. See? Yes. I have sports ball. You you <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, but that but I'm glad you went there because as you can see, James Brown or Jim Brown is a popular name. Sure. It definitely is a popular name. Right. Now you know, with all due respect to James Brown, the sports the the sports announcer, mm-hmm. you will be hard pressed to find 
more famous Jim Browns than the football player slash actor. Sure. And certainly hard-pressed to find more famous James Brown mm-hmm. than the godfather of soul, Mr. Dynamite himself. Yeah, Mr. Please, please, please. Yes. Yes. So I did not take on that challenge. Okay. But what I have found okay. are the top five famous James Brown's Caucasian division. <laughs> So these are famous white right, right. James Like Browns. James Blanks. <laughs> you see what I did there? I see what you, you did, did there. Did you see what I did there? I, I did All see right. what you did there. You're a special kind of cat. <laughs> All right. So starting with number five. Number five. <laughs> top, top James Brown's Caucasian division. Caucasian division. We have, uh, oops, that's the wrong one. Uh-oh. <laughs> Forget you saw that. <laughs> okay. Number five, we have James Brown, the author of Apology to the Young Addict. Okay. Now, uh, this was James Brown, who was born in 1957, his third memoir, uh, The Last of a Trilogy, dealing with addiction recovery and helping others achieve sobriety. Okay. His acclaimed first memoir, The Los Angeles Diaries from HarperCollins in 2003, is an intimate portrait of his dysfunctional family covering his childhood, Hollywood script meetings, his splintered marriage and life with his older brother, the actor Barry Brown, and his sister, the actress Marilyn Brown, who both committed suicide. Damn. Well, five's really a downer, I hope. It's a downer, but he I hope, is. I hope the top four. <laughs> <laughs> well, his book the um, was named the best book of the year by Publishers Weekly. Brown and Patrick O'Neill co-authored "Writing Your Way to Recovery: How Stories Can Save Our Lives," a book on utilizing creative writing techniques in the drug and alcohol recovery community. All right. So shout out to James, the author, James Brown. Kind of hard to riff and make jokes about that, James Brown. No. And and good on him. I'm proud to know the man. All right. Number four. Number four. Number four. Top five, James Brown. (laughs) James Brown, the publisher of the Little Brown and Company. (laughs) Well, you had a ball doing this research, didn't you? (laughs) This sounds like fun. James Brown, who was born in 1800 and uh, died in 1855. Very young. American publisher, co-founder of Little Brown and Company, which is a publishing company that is still in business over 100 years later. All right. All right. Let's hear for that James Brown. (laughs) Okay. So that seemed like a publishing machine. Yes, it was. All right. Number three. Number three. Is James S. Brown Jr. (laughs) cinematographer of of his many famed films. He was a cinematographer on the 1940s Shadow, as well as the 1943 Batman. Have you ever seen that? I have. And? It's horrible. (laughs) 
It is horrible. Now, to be to be fair, while that may be the most popular thing that prominent film that James S. Brown Jr. has on his resume, he has over 150 films. Okay. To his credit, from the um, 1930s into the early 50s. Okay. That he he was a cinema cinema photographer on. Okay. So so he probably didn't. What, what year did he die? Uh, James S. Brown died. Uh, actually, he didn't go into the. I said in the fifties. He died in 1949. Okay. So he didn't live long enough to be mistaken for no James Brown. Have to deal with that. No, he did not have to deal with right. That. Like someone I know whose name is Wendy Williams has to deal with people calling her Wendy Williams mm-hmm. and saying how you doing right. all the time. So. No, James S. Brown didn't have to. He didn't have to deal with that. To, please, please, please set up the lighting so we can get this shot. No, no that's he the didn't. type of thing I would have said to him. He did not. But but he did say, please, please, please. I don't want to talk about Batman. I don't want to talk about Batman. Right, right, right. Because it really is very bad. So like not talking about Bruno, which maybe will get Lin-Manuel Miranda and Egon. Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> He did everything. He did... He obviously was the superhero guy. Okay. Because he did the shadow. Okay. He did Batman. Okay. He did the spider returns. Okay. He did the Phantom. Okay. <laughs> he he did the Whistler. Oh, that's 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 a pretty deep cut right there, the Whistler. <laughs> he did the Phantom of 42nd Street, Devil Bat's Daughter. <laughs> Strangler of the Swamp. Oh, no. Mr. Hex. Okay. The Gas House Kids in Hollywood. (laughs) Yes, of course. And his final film was Zamba. (laughs) You know what? I've actually seen Zamba. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Zamba's not bad. I I don't remember the lighting, but... You know, I like early 40s zombie movies where it's just black people beating on drums. Mm. All right. So so that was James S. Brown. Number two. Number two. We have James Harmon Brown, TV writer, <laughs> famed soap operas The Guiding Light and Dynasty. <laughs> now... <laughs> This this is a motley crew. <laughs> it gets better. James Harmon Brown, who wrote along with his partner Barbara uh, Essenton, Essenton, they were famed uh, for their scripts drifting towards the supernatural, okay, and science fiction element in the soap operas, yeah, that they were hired for. So when the two wrote for The Guiding Light during the later part of the 90s, the show's primary heroine, Reva Shane, was cloned. Okay. And when the duo would later write for Port Charles, along with other supernatural creatures, they introduced vampires. Okay. Onto the um, onto the series. Okay. <laughs> now, I'm sorry. Is Port Charles... Port Charles was the was that spinoff the, the, from the General Hospital. But remember, there was a soap opera mm-hmm. in the 80s or 90s that that was their shtick. 
it was basically that was dark shadows no it was i was about to say they were like dark shadows but it was a soap opera and then like i remember i think it was like a demon puppet and i'm not thinking about soap wait a minute there was a soap opera in the 80s maybe the 90s where that was the deal that it was super. They had wacky stuff on it, and it wasn't soap. And it wasn't, it wasn't dark soap, shadows. and it wasn't dark shadows. Did they try? And, wait a minute, because at one time during the writer strike, they brought back dark shadows. It was not dark shadows. You know, I know Barnabas um, Collins. Collins. Okay. All right. Supernatural soap opera. Soap opera. I'm telling you, you know what's going to come up. It's going to be dark shadows. Uh, let's see. It is not Dark Shadows. I'm looking, Vince. I'm looking. Supernatural soap opera, according to TVTropes.com, they're, they're, they're presenting me with Dark Shadows. Of course. Um, I'm not seeing anything. It was Passions. Passions? It was Passions. Uh, all right. Watch my table. Uh, passions. I'm seeing passions here. I'm clicking on passions, which was created by former Days of Our Lives head writer James Riley. The show ostensibly follows the lives of numerous families in a small New England town of Harmony, including the evil Crane family who orchestrated most of the nine magical plot lines. The Lopez Fitzcharles. Uh, Fitzgeralds, many of whom fell in love with the Crane family members. Yup, and the, the doll Bennett's, that came to life, Timmy. It's the, passions. The Bennets who were connected to the. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, oh, oh my god! This all right? Passions. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't. I, I'm not aware of that. Not aware of passions. And he aware. didn't write for passions. He did. He did not write for passions. Okay. Maybe Passion stole his shtick. Right, right, right. I just remember t- Passion's had a doll that came to life. It was Timmy. like Timmy was like an evil Pinocchio situation. Wow. Wow. Which, in some ways, Pinocchio is an evil Pinocchio situation. But Oh, yeah. De- Deborah Battle saying to Passion's had Timmy the doll. Mm-hmm. Had, uh, uh, Rudell's uh, Screven saying they had aliens, witches, clones, anything and everything. Yeah, Passion's was Buckwall. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, I see now you have you have stoked my curiosity. Dude, I f- I feel like I have to watch fashions. It's not as interesting as it sounds. And you have to sit through a lot. It's, it's sort of like remember, do you ever watch Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman? Oh, of course. But remember Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman quietly was boring. Yes, it was. All the way up until it would be like 3 minutes where it wasn't boring. Yes, the and then it get boring again. Yes. Passions was kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but it was just a weird. See, I had my fill with that type of stuff because I watched soap. You watch soap, right. Which right, was the, right, the, right. The, the, the primetime sitcom. Right. That spoofed soap operas. Right. And and I watched reruns of Dark Shadows. Obviously, you know, we were right. a little young for Dark Shadows, but I always felt like they 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 tipped their hand too early. On Dark Shadows, that for letting you know that Barnabas Collins was a was a vampire. Well, Dark Shadows wasn't succeeding in the ratings until they really leaned in on that. Oh, that's interesting. So, so maybe they, they maybe because to. I saw it in reruns, mm-hmm. I didn't see the slow burn. Yeah, episodes. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So it sounds like maybe I would have liked the early Dark Shadows. I don't think so. No? It was still early soap operas. Still early soap operas? No, you wouldn't. All right. Okay. There's a reason why they leaned. I'm sorry. Hard. But but, uh, you, you must have known. (laughs) <laughs> talking about a dude who wrote for soap operas and brought in supernatural elements. Like you might as well have had a van that said free candy on the side of the road while I was walking by. Very true. All right. Are you ready for number one? I am ready for number one. Num- number two was fantastic. Number one, the number one famous James Brown Caucasian division. Caucasian division. It's called the police. James the King Brown, <laughs> famous Elvis impersonator, that, who who you can find on homeoftheking.com, uh, who, lest you think this man doesn't do things, he 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 does shows in 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 Delaware. He does shows all across the oh, country. Oh, Delaware. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said Delaware. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like Saudi Arabia or something. You said Delaware. He's all over the place. Right down ninety five. <laughs> you go to Christiana Mall. You get yourself a pretzel from Auntie Anne's, and then you go see James the King Brown. As an impersonator. <laughs> he said Delaware. <laughs> I'm not gonna clown this guy. This is he's the number one famous white James Brown. You know, some of the targets there have two floors. <laughs> this is Delaware. They still have Krispy Kremes in Delaware. Hey, you laugh. I am. In 2008. Oh, well. James the King Brown. Uh-huh. I'm reading directly from his bio here. <laughs> Where else would you be reading from? <laughs> the New York Times profile of him. He got a call from Danny Serafin, oh. drummer and long-lasting um, founding member of Chicago. Okay. Steven Tyler was producing Lonely Street a movie about Elvis being still alive. And guess who lent his voices to the recording of those quote unquote new Elvis tracks? Is it James the King Brown? James the King Brown. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you, Stephen Toller, for giving me this opportunity (laughs) to lend my voice to the Continuing majesty that is Elvis Aaron Presley. Farrell Blackwell said, please tell me he headlined a show at the Dover Motor Speedway. Welcome to the Dover Motor Speedway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen. Start your engines. We're going to have car racing in a little while, but before, make sure you take yourself to the concession stand and avail yourself of the nachos and cotton candy and various other treats and delights. For you and the children of all ages, we gotta win this race. <laughs> yeah, that's a little. I, I guess. I guess that's probably the opportunity for that, right? Yes, we gotta win this. As I continue adding to the legacy of the king, 
Hey, here's the opening of this Pep Boys here on Route 40. <laughs> you laugh. I am. However, James Brown, James the King Brown. James the King Brown. He's called the King. <laughs> That's apparently. James Brown, the Godfather of Soul. Nobody calls him the King. They, they don't. They only call this they, James this, Brown's the King. This, so I guess there you go. There you go. And I, I mean, I, maybe James Brown, the Godfather of Soul, performed in Delaware, but maybe. I don't know for a fact. All right. <laughs> well, there you have it. There, that's tonight's there. top we should, five. We should probably stop because because I will spend another 20 minutes <laughs> talking about my trip to Graceland when I was. <laughs> so. um, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Lynn Webb. That's the key. Why you would be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of touch and a sense of sound. Six Degrees of Durville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Vincent will endeavor to link to a, an actress that I named for him in six films or less to 70s Icon. Icon. Perhaps he himself was in Delaware at some point. <laughs> you said Delaware. <laughs> Who Delaware? Are we going to get hate mail from Delaware? I hope not. I like Delaware. <laughs> Derville Martin. Vincent, okay, I didn't ask you. I, I didn't choose uh, Elvis Presley for you to link to. Right. Which I don't know if I could. Oh, the link to Elvis Presley? I mean, I probably have to go through is that and and margaret's in um which one call it with him and margaret is in not jailhouse rock She's no 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 in, it's um oh one of them beachy movies and and margaret was also in bye bye birdie yes i always want to make that rita moreno but i don't think that's rita moreno in bye bye no. birdie no rita moreno signed in bye bye birdie it's not Dick and and who is it? Not Dick Van Dyke. Who's the dude? Paul Lynn is in Dick. Paul Lynn and I, maybe is it Dick Van Dyke that's in the movie? That's a good question. Um, I, I think I'm thinking about Paul Lynn. Yeah, okay. I guess I might be able to cobble together Elvis, but Elvis would be difficult. He would be. He would. I'm yeah, Elvis would be of, difficult. Yeah, he he would be hard. He'd be hard. And Margaret's not a, good, a bad place to start. I can't think of anybody else in any other Elvis Presley movie. It's been so long since I watched Elvis. No, no. So I'd go Don't Elvis and Margaret, Jack well, Lemmon. You got to be able to name the movie. Though. Okay. And Margaret is, is in, in the Elvis movie that we can't think of right <laughs> wait now. Wait a minute. Hold on. I, I, it's I, like girls, 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 or? Uh, Elvis Presley and Margaret. And Margaret are both. And, and I know you're, you're screaming in the chat, but I just want to look it up. Um. Not girls, girls, girl. What is the name of that movie? Where he's a race car driver, I think. Yeah, it's Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Then Anne Margaret is in Grumpy Old Men with Jack Lemon, mm-hmm. who's in Some Like It Hot with Tony Curtis. Right. Who's in The Defiant okay. Ones with Sidney Poitier. Okay. Who's in Guess Who's Coming Together. Coming to dinner with Durbo with Martin. Martin. So, okay, you well, there it. you go. You got it. Yeah, I knew Ann Mar. It had to be Ann Margaret, though. Yeah, the only other person I know that I can name off the top of my head was in the Elvis Presley movie. 
was Mary Tyler Mary Tyler Moore's in um Change of Habit. Change of Habit, which which funnily enough, you'd think I'd go there because that's the movie that he's in with black people. Right. Because remember he's the doctor helping out the ghetto youth. Oh yeah. But the only thing with that is that if you can't name the black people in that movie, which right. I can't. Which I can't. <laughs> I think um, they're just the black youth. Yeah, I think they're all yes. The black youth that I'm helping out here. And Mary Tyler Moore and she didn't make her bones in the movies. Right. All right. So right. So that'd be a dead end. Yeah, because that's I was like, oh. Well, I'm glad you didn't pick Elvis. I did not pick I'm Elvis. Glad Elvis isn't one of the ones you picked. But what I did do, I went to the world of biopics. Okay. Musical biopics. Okay. Okay. So the first one I have for you is in six movies or less, Link from Durvell Martin to Joaquin Phoenix, who was in the biopic. Um, oh, God. I just lost it he was johnny cash it's kind of cheap but but it's 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 my favorite joaquin phoenix film um deborah martin is in sheba baby with pam greer pam greer is in jackie brown with um samuel jackson samuel jackson is in the avengers with scarlett johansson who's in her with oh, Joaquin Phoenix. I forgot he was in her. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually my favorite Joaquin Phoenix movie. Is it? Oh, I love her. Uh, the movie that I was thinking of that where he plays Johnny Cash is Walk the Line. Right. 2005. A good movie, too. I've never seen it. Yeah, I enjoy Walk. The, I mean, you know, I guess we talk about where it fits in these, but but it's a solid. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Yeah, I like Joaquin Phoenix in that. So, okay. But there you go. Joaquin I did Phoenix. like her. I, yeah. I've seen her. Yeah, I love her. Yeah. I've seen her. I'm trying to think. It like it's interesting. You just because off the top of your head, you said that. Oh, and what's his name's in her too, Chris Pratt. Oh, that's yeah. Right. It's a couple yeah. of Marvel alumni in there. You know that probably is. I don't know. I will say it's my favorite movie of his, but my favorite performances of his mm-hmm. is in what is objectively and actually watching it again. It's just a dumb, fun popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. But I love his performance in Gladiator. He's good in Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's good best, in Gladiator. He's the best thing in Gladiator to me. Really? Yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong. I like Russell Crowe. I was about to say, I think Russell Crowe actually Yeah, but I think like actually sells it. Like, like, like I, I actually bought in yeah, to the he, Russell Crowe hype yeah, because of Gladiator. Yeah, but, but he's he's still very one note in there, I feel. Whereas I Joaquin is just chewing the scenery and yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um so all okay. right. So very good. You, all right. You you did Joaquin Phoenix in all right in no time. Now let's get from Derville Martin to, to the coal miner's daughter. Oh, Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sissy say, oh well. Can I use coal miner's no. daughter? Come on, dog. No. You couldn't have used walk the line. Okay. So besides coal miner's daughter, what else does she do? She's done a few things. She's in Carrie. Mm-hmm. Shit, those are my two sissy SpaceX right there. I'm looking at her filmography, and you now. know I'm, I was going right to Tommy Lee Jones with coal miner's daughter. Yeah, I'm seeing here. 
at least I I I am think I'm safe in saying at least four other sissy spacek films that I'm that I think you've seen. Give me oh. one. Okay. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Um from 1983, The Man with Two Brains. What is that? The remake? With Steven uh Steve Steve Martin. Oh, with Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin. No, that's all of me you're thinking of. The man with two brains is Steve Martin and Kathleen Turner. All right. Well, I mean, that's just one. I'll no, give no, you no. I mean, I, now I, I can use that one because he's in Derville Martin is in five on a black hand side with Dick Anthony Williams. Dick Anthony Williams is in the jerk with Steve Martin. And Steve Martin is in apparently oh. this with Sissy Space. <laughs> apparently this. <laughs> Which I don't know why he would make the same version of a movie that I know is an inferior version to the one with Lily Tomlin. It's it's not the same. It, I don't think it's the the same movie. Is he one of the men with two brains? Is no. he one of the? Is he the two brain man? Uh, the film is a broad comedy with Martin starring as Dyko. Dr. Michael Herrer, uh-huh. a pioneer and neurosurgeon with a cruel and unfaithful new wife, Dolores Benedict. Yeah, I, I, it's not. Are you thinking of the Rosie Greer movie? The Man you, with Two Heads? Yeah, that's it's, not a, it's not a remake of that. Right, but is it is it Steve Martin sharing his body or something with somebody else's brain? I think he, he, he crosses brains with his wife, I believe. Or is it a Freaky Friday thing? I think it's a Freaky Friday or are they sharing a body? It's been a freaking minute since I've seen it. It's been a minute. It's not all of me. Right. Which is clearly superior to this. All of me was a great movie. Yeah. It was a great movie. Do you, all right. So, so you got it. All right. Let me give you these other movies that I think you have seen. Okay. Um, Crimes of the Heart from 1986 starring Diane Keaton, Jessica Lange, Sam Shepard, and Sissy Spacek. Yeah, I didn't see that. Uh, it's one of those chick flicks. Yeah. Oh, romantic. Like 80s chick flicks, right. too. Uh, she also starred with Whoopi Goldberg in The Long Walk Home. Hold on. <laughs> That's what Whoopi Goldberg was making all the movies where she was a maid or wearing period clothing and stuff. And she was helping white people okay. recognize that black people were human. All right. Yeah, that whole that whole Whoopi Goldberg bag she was in yeah. during the eighties doing that stuff. <laughs> she was also in JFK. You know what? I've never actually seen JFK. It's a fever uh dream of a movie. Yeah. I find myself rewatching it often. I mean, I look uh, how come um whatchamacallit doesn't make movies anymore? Oliver Stone? How come Oliver Stone doesn't make movies? He's wrapped in theories. Um, And she also was in, what was this movie that I thought you saw? Uh, I don't don't know if you saw Affliction. I did not. That was good. That was a good movie. Um, Yeah, probably. probably Yeah, I go go right to Carrie and Coal Miner's Daughter because Coal Miner's Daughter is fantastic. That was probably it. Yeah. That was it. Unless you saw Four Christmases. I did not. With Reese Witherspoon and uh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Very well. There you go. All right. Reese Witherspoon is an actress who I think is a very good actress, but they only put her in certain kinds of movies. 
So I never watch anything Reese Witherspoon is in because I know it's going to be a movie I don't like. Well, I mean, she's become her own advocate. She's yeah. producing a lot of stuff. Yeah, and now. I'm glad because I think she's a really good actress. Yeah, I like her. I have a, I have the uh, guy who wrote Election just uh, he he just published an essay talking about what happened to her character in his because I think it's based on a book mm-hmm. and a lot of people have theories about what happens to her character. Okay. You know, years later, and he just wrote an essay saying what he thought. Or he either wrote an essay or he's written a book. Anyway, it had me thinking about election, which made me become an admirer of Reese Witherspoon. Yes. So, but there you go. All right. Well, that is Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed. With a pinch of Elvis. We can also get to Elvis from Derville Martin, a Negro actor of great acclaim. Are you going to see the the biopic Elvis when it's on um cable? <laughs> okay, like when it comes when it comes on when it comes on. You don't want to see that in in IMAX. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. Great balls of fire really burnt up any any desire I needed to see of any of them fifties white boy rock people. Oh. Like it's like nothing's ever going to touch Great Balls of Fire, mm. so I'm done. No, I've, that's a movie I've never seen either. I, and I keep telling you to watch it because okay. it's fantastic. All right. All right. One day. Anyway. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Best thing what's his name's ever done? Who? Uh, I, I forgot. I just forgot his name. The star. Uh, not Britain. Oh, uh, because isn't he one of the brothers? It's not is, is, brother? it, is it Bo Bridges? No, no, it's no. It's not Jeff. It's not Jeff. It's not Bo, but I thought he also had brothers. Oh, Lord. See, you I yourself. know, I know we were doing so well. This is my fault. Always, I know. You're right. Great Balls of Fire was the story of Jerry Lee Lewis. Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, okay. Best thing Dennis Quaid's ever done. No. Boom. No. The gauntlet. This is me throwing it. No, that's not the best, best thing, thing Dennis Quaid's ever done. No. 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 What, what's better than that? DOA. It's better than that. No, it's not. Oh, I, how you know? You haven't seen it. I don't have. Uh huh. Exactly. All right. DOA is better. It's it's really not. It really like he stretches much more in this. I, like he just sort of. When is the last time you saw Great Balls of Fire? Actor guy. When is the last time you saw Great Balls of Fire? Like a year ago. I watch Great Balls of Fire all the time. No. No. You're wrong. Anyway. I mean, you can say that, but you haven't seen it. <laughs> Farrell Blackwell says uh, Great Balls of Fire, Dennis Quaid's Malcolm. It X. really is. Oh, yes. It was a biopic. It, no, 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 no. But it is an epic. No. Like, it is his epic. <laughs> epic about some guy marrying teenagers. See, again, you haven't seen it. Much like now I'm suspicious about whether or not you've actually watched Blade Runner. No, I've seen it. Have you? I have. Mm-hmm. This is time I cannot mm-hmm. get back mm-hmm. watching that boring, mm-hmm. morose mm-hmm. dreck. Right, right, that right, is Blade right, right, right. You watch them old, dry ass thirties movies. Then I dry. You don't watch Blade them. Oh, I've, I've watched them. No, you haven't. I've watched them more than you've watched Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on. What's next? What's next on the program? Um. The show. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> right. We actually review a movie sometimes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Maybe we right. do that. All right. So next, let's um, <laughs> get into our review of Get On Up. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. You special. Your mama's on no account food. Daddy too. But you ain't gonna be. One day, everybody gonna know your name. James, man. So you wanna be a singer? Oh, no, sir. What I really wanna be? Mechanic. You got a problem? You do music. The only thing keep me sane in here. He's a showstopper. It's a miracle. Really? Maybe me and you could uh, work on a little harmony together. Clara, get down here. She coming, mama. She coming. Look at these people, James. When is it going to be when we up there? We'll be back in here. Right now. What? One, two, three, four. You can't play that bike you told us. It doesn't work musically. It doesn't sound good. Yeah. Does it feel good? Yeah, yeah. If it sounds good and it feels good, then it's musical. You're entering a game here where the rules are already set out. I'm just a street kid from Augusta, Georgia. Now, tell me what you see. President, I want to go to Vietnam. We got to bring a super heavy bump to the cats over there. Are they shooting at us? They're trying to kill James Brown today. You want to go down and hit you as a man and kill the fuck? Ah! There's a woman here. She say she your mama. Wow! My baby playing that the Apollo. I feel good. Ain't your baby. Ah! Not then, not now. I feel good. I look after James Brown. I knew that I wouldn't. No one else helped me. I knew that I wouldn't. No one else. When I hit that stage, you people better be ready. Especially the white phone. Hit! Every man is being all taller because they with James Brown. Are we done, Mr. Bird? I'm afraid not, Mr. Brown. I say, are we done? I think we got more funk in the trunk. The star of the show. Open up your ears. Get On Up, 2014 American biographical music drama about the life of singer James Brown, the godfather of soul, directed by Tate Taylor and starring Chadwick Boseman. This film also features Nelson Ellis as Bobby Bird, Dan Aykroyd as manager Ben Bart, Viola Davis as Susie Brown, the mother of James Brown, Craig Robinson as Maceo Parker, Octavia Spencer as Aunt Honey, and Lenny James as the father of James Brown. 
in Vincent's selection for this stop in Black Music Month here on the Michaud Mission. Vincent, what say you of Get On Up, the James Brown story? I think one of the real bad and unintended consequences of Ray was that Ray got everybody thinking we need to make a biopic of fill in the blank Mm. and we need to get fill in the blank to play the aforementioned fill in the blank. Okay. So there was this flurry, I think after Ray where Mm -hmm. the, the, the chase was on for the next Ray. And if I were a producer in 2000, 11 2012 or so and someone asked me about a james brown biopic i would have said that this is a terrible idea really for a variety of reasons Hmm. okay first of all these famous musicians you have to get permissions yes you have to get people to sign off Mm -hmm. The Brown family and estate is famously a robust family and estate, legally speaking. Mm -hmm. This is not a case of, I want to make a biography of little Bobby Bobby blonde-haired Johnson, and Mm -hmm. you get a lawyer somewhere Mm -hmm. or a grandchild who lives in Mississippi to sign off. The James Brown estate is, is, is that's more than a notion getting them to sign off. And, and, you know, unfortunately, because everything that happened after James Brown's death, we all know that they keep their lawyer, like, like their lawyers are well seasoned and blooded. Yes. So, First and foremost, you got to deal with them. Mm-hmm. I alluded to it a moment ago. I think the James Brown narrative, the story of his life, is one that presents challenges if you're going to put it on film as an inspirational story, as a story that reflects well on James Brown, frankly. Mm-hmm. Which then goes to the first thing I, I you know, if the family's going to sign off on it, you assume they want you to show him in the best possible light. James Brown has had very well documented issues throughout his entire public life of being a a a a, a, a physical abuser of women, mm-hmm. a womanizer. Um, um, he's had business issues. Yeah. He's had issues with his bands. Even someone like, like Ray Charles, who had a, a, a period of drug addiction, mm-hmm. but then kicked and then had this long period of life after it. So when you think about how you would put this in a story, you can kind of have this, you know, and, you know, in the second act, 
where he's you know grappling with drug addiction mm-hmm. and then he has the redemptive part in the third act right james brown and again this is well documented really grappled with drugs almost until his death yeah so there's not there's a, no real like th- third act th- right exactly like there really isn't james brown's public life in the last 10 years was really one more of controversy mm, yep than anything else and then after his death everything that happened with the chaos with his his will and and who's in the will and and who's acknowledged as his child like it's it's just it presents a difficult challenge mm-hmm. so there's that mm-hmm. then there's just the very idea of someone portraying James Brown. The power of James Brown is James Brown. Like when you see James Brown perform, like you, it's not a matter of hearing James Brown. You have to see James Brown. That's right. And the power of James Brown performing by definition, anyone who tries to emulate James Brown is going to suffer in comparison. Finally, I think the challenge of portraying James Brown, you have to address what I call the legacy of James Brown celebrity hot tub, where whether you remember Eddie Murphy portraying James Brown in a skit on Saturday Night Live with James Brown celebrity hot tub, or you remember him being part of Eddie Murphy's um, act. Mm-hmm. In 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 delirious, the James Brown bit is such a part of the fabric of pop culture. Like everybody can do a James Brown bit. That any actor who portrayed James Brown would have to figure out how to not be doing a James Brown bit. Right. So all of this. Before you do anything, I think is a challenge to making a film about James Brown. Having said all of that, I think Get On Up makes some really smart moves to deal with all of this. First and foremost, I think this is a really well-calibrated cast. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good cast. I think it's a great cast. But I also think it is very thoughtfully put together. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're going to get to chat with Bozeman. Mm -hmm. Let's just take chat with Bozeman out for a minute. But, you know, you got got these three juggernauts in here that are used judiciously throughout the film. Viola Davis as his mother. Octavia Spencer as his aunt. Mm-hmm. Anjanu Ellis as um the singer who ends up marrying Bobby Bird. Yes. Around them, Vicky. Vicky. You've got Jill Scott, who does nice work when she's called upon to do nice work. Mm-hmm. Then you have Dan Aykroyd. And you have Craig Robinson and you have Tariq Black Thought Turner. 
And the reason I've grouped them together, Trotter. Trotter, I'm sorry. The reason I've grouped them together, anyone who has seen The Tonight Show or, frankly, been to a Roots concert mm-hmm. over the past 20 years knows Black Thought is actually funny. Yeah. Like, he's actually a funny dude. He is. And I think one of the smart moves that this film makes is that it knows there's a degree of absurdity to James Brown's story. Mm-hmm. And these three actors bring a level of comedy that kind of almost let the steam out a little bit. Okay. Like there are moments with Dan Aykroyd and Chadwick Boseman that are fantastic. Like, like I realized what I wanted was a Dan Aykroyd Chadwick Boseman project. Okay. Where they just sort of bounce off of each other. So the cast I think is a really good cast. And, you know, speaking of um, being in the shadow of Ray, um, you, you know, I think it's it's worth noting that playing young James Brown is, um, oh, I just had him. I just had the little brother up and then I lost him. Uh, Jamarian and Jordan Scott. Jamarian Jordan Scott, who played young Ray. That's weird. In Ray. Okay, that's why his face looks so. Yeah, so so you know, get on up wasn't afraid to to lean into that, and he's a good little actor mm-hmm. as he plays young James Brown. I think it's a pretty smart script. Like I like the the way the script works. I like the way the script is 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 nonlinear. Mm-hmm. Like you see James Brown at these different points of life. I like the fact. Speaking of the absurdity of James Brown, how they lean right into it in the bookends where you have Brown in 1988. They, they allude to the drug use. Like they, they show drugs and, and you know, it's this absurd bit with him and the shotgun and showing up at like an insurance showing up, seminar. showing up at the building he owns and someone has used his bathroom they and took a brick in his bathroom. And then they, he leads the police on a chase, which a lot of this is true. It's like I said, yes. like the last 20 years of James Brown's life was a lot of this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the film leans right into that. Look, this this is also part of it before we get to the beats that, you know, of James Brown. And then there's Chadwick Boseman. And like I said, I think Chadwick Boseman had this really difficult job mm-hmm. portraying this person that we all quote unquote know. Yes. Like either through his 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 historical footage, or for many of us, you know, men our age, like the James Brown we know is really 80s James Brown. Yeah. Like we know living in America, James Brown. We know static James mm-hmm. Brown. We know James Brown post James Brown celebrity hot tub. Mm-hmm. And Chadwick Bozeman had to figure out a way to inhabit this person without it becoming caricature. Mm-hmm. And I think his strategy was almost to go small. Like it's all gesture. Like, like the first shot you see of James Brown where they show him in shadow and he's going out to perform. The way Bozeman holds his hands. Yeah. Yeah. The way he kind of does this strut mm-hmm. where you know it's James Brown. 
you don't hear a voice. You don't even see a face yet. It's hard to see. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously mm, you can see, shadow. you can see the hair a little bit, but it's all gesture. Mm-hmm. Back to the direction. I think another smart move they make again, God bless Chadwick Bozeman. He ain't James Brown. But if you pay attention to the footage of the performances, it starts out, most of it are really tight shots. Yes. On Bozeman's face. All right. I have to take it. Do you hear that, Vince? I do hear it. It's the ice cream man. I know. But we we in it now, though. Okay. I know. Because I'll go get it. I know you will. And I'll I, go get it. I appreciate it, but I... And the missionaries probably the missionaries want me to get it. I'm go, purposely not looking purposely at the chat right now. Not looking at the chat. We're going to keep going. Okay. I appreciate how the shots stay tight on Bozeman mm-hmm. so that when he's performing as James Brown, we see his facial expressions. Mm-hmm. You get a cut every now and then to his feet, but the full body shots, not a lot. Oh, I disagree. Until. It's earned. I think as each performance goes on, Mm -hmm. the camera pulls back more and more. And then you get the centerpiece, which is the get on up performance. Okay. Okay. And by then, the film is hoping you've bought in. Like at this point, you've bought in. And you no longer see Chadwick. And you no longer see Chadwick Boseman. You see James Brown. But whether you buy in or not, I appreciate the strategy. Like, I appreciate that, again, they thought about it. Okay. Like, we have to get to this. And then when you do get to it, if you've bought in, which, frankly, I had by then, mm-hmm. it it's a celebration. Like, it's actually a celebration of everything that you've been seeing up to this point. So that Besides the performance, again, the the sort of gesture, this sort of almost delicacy that Chadwick Boseman brings to his portrayal of James Brown. What I had in my notes is that by the end, Chadwick Boseman had humanized James Brown Mm -hmm. more than James Brown humanized James Brown. Mm. So that I, I, I thought it was a terrible idea to do this. But by the end, I I liked it. Like I liked it. And I was, you, you know, and I, I think it's I, I I think it's a good film. Well, I will say that Chadwick Boseman does become James Brown. Um, which is interesting because and I guess this is not the first time this has this has happened. He kind of resembles James Brown, but he's almost a whole human taller than mm, James Brown. Yeah. He's like six feet and James Brown was five five. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason why he, he wore like heels when he performed. Um, but he does become James Brown uh, in every way. As you talk about the camera moving back, and then you're getting the full body performance. That is Chadwick Boseman after I think over a month of training. Mm-hmm. Look. Got all the dance moves down, and he is he is he is fantastic. He is fantastic on the stage as James Brown, as well as portraying the man James Brown. You do buy into him 
becoming this this character, which is James Brown. And I say character of James Brown because where I where where this movie mm. loses me is because this James Brown is a character. I forgot to mention one point. I thought it was a good strategy, and I think it's what you're about to speak on to weave this thing mm-hmm. through the friendship of him and Bobby of Bird. him and Bobby Bird to try and bypass all this other. Yeah, stuff. see, I don't mind that, and I and I definitely saw them trying to do that. And uh, shout out to um, uh, Nelson uh, Ellis as Bobby Bird. He does yeoman work on yeah. the movie as well. Um, I I I dug how they were trying to do that. Yet, I think the failing of this movie is that it's to me at the end of the day even though it's kind of cool with the whole non-linear storytelling and i'm always a sucker for that type of thing that notwithstanding i still think a lot of it is very just superficial mm-hmm. so i think like yeah they want they want to interrogate the relationship between james brown and bobby bird yet there's a moment where james brown uh and Bobby with their group, the flaming, the famous flames, mm-hmm. you know, as it becomes apparent to the, to their managers and record company that James is the famous flames. And he basically presents them all with an ultimatum that, yo, um, thanks to James, we're going to make this James Brown and his famous flames. Otherwise y'all can flame out and be, and be ghosts. Mm-hmm. And you see all of the, all of the other flames, which I think they're about five guys, including Bobby leave. The next thing, you know, Bobby's back mm-hmm. and there's no investigation on why he's back. What, um, the conversation between him and, and and James, especially because James Brown, because you learn who had a very trouble, a very hard youth, um, being more or less abandoned by his mother and father, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one right after the other, and then raised by his his aunt Honey in pretty much a brothel. I, I had to like are we watching the James Brown story or the Richard Pryor story? I know. That's what I, asked I know. And, and then he winds up in jail, and it is in jail that he meets Bobby Bird, who's in jail to entertain the the prisoners. Um, Bobby Bird there with his group, the Famous Flames. Right. So, considering that it, it really is Bobby who took James kind of like, you know, uh, a dalliance with music. Cause he had definitely dallied, you know, dealing with some other stuff as well. Music was very much on the back burner. Bobby bird brings the music to the forefront in James life. And then for them to reach that moment where Bobby quits his own group. Right. And then returns. And for there not to be any, commentary on that whatsoever 
I thought is a failing of this movie. So the so the the bit with Maceo, the conversation with Maceo wasn't enough. No, you. I don't think that I don't I don't think that was enough. I don't think there was. Um, I can understand Bobby's not going to get equal weight, but I think that relationship, like you said, for it to be kind of like the our window. Yeah, it's like the real into, through line. Mm-hmm. Right, the through line through this film. I think it should take some moments to investigate that a little bit. Because then later on in the film, you're asked to, first of all, you're asked to, you're asked to be invested with Bobby, but they don't give you really anything about Bobby to be invested in. You're asked to be invested in a little bit in Bobby's relationship with Vicky, played by Anjanae Ellis. And yes, there are scenes between the two of them, but th- there's no no depth there. Mm-hmm. There's only quick asides, so you don't really know what's going on. There seems to be some type of um, friction between the two of them and James that becomes like seems like it's a bit of a triangle, mm-hmm. but you don't know because there's really no investigation of that at all. So I think that is a failing, especially considering what else is there which is predominantly, like you said, James Brown's life. Shout out to Chadwick Boseman doing a great job of of the performances. But they never go deep. Well, well, they can't. Well, why can't they? Well, then you're not going to get permission from the family. Well, see, see, I hear you on that, but I... I think there are there are allusions to things. There are allusions off screen yeah. to his abuse. I mean, just one. There's only one moment really is only where he hits one. a woman. Right. And, and like you said, that's off screen. Yes. Yeah. Um, there are allusions to his womanizing, yet you don't see any agency on the woman's part. They seem all seem to be like, you know, gung-ho about it. I mean, it's James Brown. So... At the end of the day, the performance is notwithstanding. First of all, let me give a shout out to one of my favorite actri- actresses who shows up for a very bit part in this movie, but I just tickled by everything she did. And that's Allison Janney, mm-hmm. who shows up as this white woman at a hotel who can't believe that they have to share their pool with, with Negroes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then who was seen later at, in the bar overhearing the rehearsal and just jitterbugging her heart away. So I love Alice and Yanny. And mad shout out to Lenny James, an actor I always, I think, yeah, very underappreciated. Yeah. And as James Brown's father. As James Brown's father. And Viola Davis. We can't say enough about Viola Davis, but I think that Viola Davis has the two best scenes. In this entire film, the beginning scene, and I'm not even talking about the beginning scene, her country, her, um, her, uh, um, uh, 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 fighting with James Brown's father. I'm just talking about the joy of her playing with, with little James Brown in the woods, which, which I think is such a joyful moment. Um, and it's very interesting because it runs a 100% counter to how she appears in the rest of the movie. Look, man, again, I, 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 I really think this is a smart script that makes smart decisions. 
along with what you're saying about the superficial, which, which frankly, I just think the the seams that you see are again, we not signing off on something that makes him look frankly like who he in a lot of ways was. Yeah. So we got to deal with it. But I love the fact that they very judiciously use Viola Davis's performance mm-hmm. at these moments throughout the film because she she's amazing. Like, I'm glad they didn't burn her up in the first 15 minutes. Yeah. And then we'd be sitting here going, why didn't we have more Viola Davis? It's like, no, we're going to give you a little Viola Davis here. 20 more minutes. We're going to get a little bit more Viola Davis. Half hour. We're going to give you some Viola Davis. And it was I, I like I like that choice. Yeah, see, see because she's so good. I like I like the choice that she, she is so good. The other scene where she is good is a scene that is not true, but nevertheless, it is extremely poignant when she shows up backstage to yeah. James Brown. I think it is was it at the Apollo? Yeah. Yeah, his his appearance at the Apollo. Um that's that it's scene is is it's fan it's fantastic. However, this is, again is another letdown of the film because the real story yes. of how his mother becomes back comes back in his life is primarily the work of his first wife, Velma. Yes. She's the one that works there. Yes. Works to bringing his mother back into her uh, to his <sighs> life. And while she never becomes like a a a a mother figure, he, she when he get in the film is pays lip service to like i don't want her to want for anything mm-hmm. you know you make sure that she's she's looked after you know that is true how james brown did treat her for the rest of rest of her life but he's saying that to bobby bird yes right and i'm fine that you never see him doing that but again, that is because Bobby Bird is supposed to be your window in the through line through this film, and that doesn't do anything. And it misses the opportunity to do something with his wife, Velma, and giving her some freaking agency in this, Look, in this movie. That's, But that's another, that's another moment where real life is better than what is in the Look, film. Real life is better than what's in the film, but I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning about it being a bad idea. No one's going to sign off on that. But no, with all due respect, why don't you sign off on his his first wife, the yes. mother of his children? Yes. Because you know, giving it's her soon, at least a little bit of age. Because it's 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 sort of like it's sort of like in in all of my legal training comes from reruns of Law and Order. It's sort of like once you call the witness up, mm-hmm. the witness is fair game. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I call a witness and you're the opposing counsel, you get to talk to the witness, too. Okay. Once you open the door to his wives, mm-hmm. you open the door to his wives. Yeah, but they are they already shut that door because they, they show Velma. No, and wait, they no. Show, and they show Jill Scott. Right. They There's show. another wife after Jill Scott. They don't, sh- they don't show any of the other wives. Look, man. Again. You got to be real easy with these wives. And not for nothing, not to put too fine of a point on it, but the people whose signatures that you need mm-hmm. to get this thing made mm-hmm. are the children of these wives. Right. Who 
aren't going to, at least I don't believe, and you know, all I have for evidence is the movie we saw. Mm-hmm. We're going to sign off on something that showed their mothers and their father in a certain light. Like you have to look, you look, stop. You know how this works? This ain't our first time watching one of these movies. Mm-hmm. We talked about this with Ray. You talk about this with um they made a Jimi Hendrix movie right yet. That's true. Because you got to get people to sign off on these things. Mm. Now, once you get them to sign off, you got to work within what they signed off for. And like I said, the very first thing I said, you know, uh, 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 Vincent Williams, we need, we need uh, $2 million. We're trying to make a James Brown movie. Yeah, I'm not signing off on that because you're going to have to go through the James Brown estate. And the James Brown estate is not going to sign off for the type of film that Lynn Webb wants. With realism and factual things that happen it's factually. It's not so much that I want the realism. I just, I, I just think that there can be, they could have gone deeper. I just think it's, I think the film is very superficial. I mean, I mean, and I understand sure, things have to people be white wise. Things have to order. be massaged a little bit. But I think they massaged themselves out of a better movie. Well, look, again, I think, I think with what they had to work with, and I'm going to keep saying, like, I really do think I don't know how you make a movie about James Brown that James Brown's family will sign off for. Well, to be fair, when I'm looking when I'm looking on here, I don't see anything about the family having to sign off on. Like I don't see like the them being involved, their names don't show up in the credits. Uh, look, I don't I look Mick Jagger's executive. Producer. I know Mick Jagger's the executive producer. And then, you know, frankly, I think that's part of it too. I think people try to um this is almost a love letter yeah, to yeah, the yeah, legend yeah, yeah. of James Brown. Right. Look, James Brown's life was filled with contradiction and ugliness. Yes. Like ugliness again, like all the way back to Tammy friggin' Terrell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it really is. Like, I think they ended up making, what is it, a silk purse out of a sow's ear? Mm. Like, I think they made a silk purse out of a sow's ear based on what they had to work with, which, like I said, I you know, it's almost like, it's almost like I think it's best to to watch this film as almost an impression of James, like, like it's, it, you know, I, I think appropriately enough because we just watched um, Miles Ahead. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same thing. Like, 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 if you really want to know about James Brown, you need to go watch a documentary. But, you know, don't be the kid that does the the book report on James Brown by watching this movie because it's not really there. No, it's not. The facts of James Brown. Now, it sounds like that bothered you more than it bothered me. I guess it did. I mean, I guess I I just wanted more and it it left me wanting. Yeah, but but I think the performances. And it's long. Yeah, you know, it's two hours, 10 minutes. I'd bought in. I'd bought in. Like, I really like I like. 
15, 20 minutes in, I really just enjoyed Chadwick Boseman. Like, I really enjoyed him moving through this character. Yeah. And, and you know, even the, the very first scene with him under the makeup in the gun. And I was like, okay, all right. Like, we're going to start big. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to take a big swing right in the beginning. And then just kind of deconstruct it and build it back up to land where we started with the makeup and the mannerisms and everything. And I, I really enjoyed Chadwick Boseman. Did you like the, the breaking of the, of the fourth wall? I did. If I can be brutally honest, I probably enjoyed it more because Chadwick Boseman has passed. Okay. So it was like this beautiful moment where he was talking, you know, directly to me Mm. and we're never going to get that again. I think the first time I saw it, I may have thought it was a little bit too cutesy. Yeah. But I didn't mind it this time, but, but I don't, the reason I didn't mind it was not because of the merits of the film. It was because of the tragedy of Chadwick Boseman's you and and you. It annoyed me. Um, I, I, I didn't like it, especially because it was used very sparingly. So therefore, like, then why put it in there? Like, it could have just, it's like, almost like they forgot. It's like, oh, yeah, he's supposed to sometimes talk to the Right, right. Get out of here. It was annoying. Um, Farrell Blackwell says that he saw Chadwick the whole time. At no point was I convinced Chadwick was doing anything other than a James Brown impersonation. Hmm. And your brother Damon says, get on up. Should have been called Lonely Teardrops because this would have been money better spent. As a Jackie Wilson uh, biopic, now that'd be a good biopic. That would be a very now that would very be good a biopic. really good biopic. And that is a that is a that is a name and a career that has been time has forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a story uh, look worth investigating. Look documentaries about it made me think about why do fools fall in love? Mm-hmm. Like you know, I let them them early fifties. Uh almost jump blues singers right yeah yeah would you recommend that people watch get on up i would but but it's a very empty recommend again unfortunately we only have a number of films Mm -hmm. that chadwick boseman made Mm -hmm. so you kind of have to watch one when you get an opportunity but i do think the performances are strong enough to warrant watching this and as far as Chadwick Boseman performances go, I I I, I disagree with 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 Farrell Blackwell. So, like I really did, like I really did think it was a nice expression of the craft, mm-hmm. how he navigated this big personality. There's so, a lot of his own singing in here. Well. In in the James Brown voice, so yeah. there's a lot to be championed. Yeah. Um, I if I knew of the um, like the epic James Brown documentary that was out there, right? You know, like if I knew what that was, right. I would recommend seeing that. 
not knowing if there is one out there. Right, because I can't think of one off the top of my head. Then I I I got I begrudgingly um recommend this film because James Brown is definitely a a, a name that needs to be sure. celebrated. You know. Sure. But I would hold out for the the document. This is a moment where Jill Scott climbs up on the bed and says, Well, get on up, Mr. Brown. I said, Oh. Well, look, man. I said, Oh. Look, first of all, she said, She said, What you gonna do, James? You gonna find me? And then James Brown said, I don't gonna find you. You already fine. And I said, I know that's right, James Brown. Because yeah. when Jill Scott shows up on the screen, she's in the crowd looking, look. and she caught my attention. I was like, That's Jill Scott. Look. Because Jill Scott. Look. It's Jill Scott. Look, <laughs> he no said. He said, "I ain't gonna find you because y'all already fine." And then she climbed up on that bed, and she got finer. And he, she said, "Well, come on up, Mister Brown." I said, "Well, all right, yes, Jill Scott." Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. So, mm. sucker for some dimples. Oof. All right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week here on the Michelle Mission and Black Music Month, I invite you all to uh, like and follow the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made, go to our website, michellemission.com, where you can hit swag and check out all the cool designs and gifts available by way of our good friends at T Public, including our Six Degrees of Derville Mountain line. The Michelle Mission is available via email. Email us at michomission at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 215-867-9666. Tell us what is on your mind. Follow the Micho Mission on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube and Twitch, all at Micho Mission, where you can give us a five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. A rating and a review helps people find our show. The, po- the Micho Mission proud member of the podglomerate thepodglomerate.com they make podcasts work let me tell you our credits the Michelle mission is produced by len webb and vincent williams our co-producer is maurice popular it is edited by yours truly social media is handled by toya haynes and our theme music is by alexa gold all right next week on the Michelle mission all right Black Music Month continues, and we go to the year of 2009 for the life story of Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, we're getting hip-hop, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Right here on the Michelle. B.I.G. G.I.E. Biggie. Next week on the Michelle Mission. All right. Uh, where Vince will present his 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 top five rappers to avoid. <laughs> oh, only, miss it. only five? <laughs> <laughs> only five. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting we say We'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs> <laughs>